2: An engineer or a public servant, a policeman, or or whether you're a school teacher or you're a doctor or whether you're a janitor, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God and the expanse of His kingdom. When we encounter God, it changes us. Welcome to The Barnabas
1: Effect with Paul Purvis, senior pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message,
2: here's Pastor Paul Purvis. A God moment occurs when God shows up and I respond. And... For most of my life, I've heard people say, well, I go to church. Maybe I even open the Bible or I I, I pray and I don't feel like anything's happening. I would just say to you, are you responding to what God's already told you to do? God spoke. Moses responded. The key word here is encounter. So you, you hear the words we're saying? Ordinary moments where extraordinary things happen. We encounter God. God exposes ordinary people to extraordinary things when they encounter him. So you've got to ask, do people still encounter God today? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Do people still encounter God today? Yes, Yes, they do. We can hear God. There are still God moments. God still speaks. Is it a burning bush? No. That was a one-time event. Unless you're Moses in the wilderness of Midian on Mount Hora, Mount Sinai, your moment's probably not going to be a, a, a burning bush. But God speaks. and In fact, listen to how he speaks. Hebrews chapter 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in, in these last days, he has spoken to us. How has he spoken to us? Through his son. Who's his son? That's the first time for this year, right? But I just want to remind you, when you're in church and I ask a question, if you don't know the answer, there's a good chance you can just say, that's right. So he's talking about Jesus, the living word of God. Now, after the death, the burial, the resurrection, we have not only the living word of God, we have the written word of God. So how does God speak to us? He speaks to us through our relationship with his son and through the written word of God. Hebrews twelve twenty five says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. So how do we hear from God? I just want to remind you of a reference that's now many years old. It's a book or a study that was written by Henry Blackaby and a guy named Claude King. It's called Experiencing God. I could not recommend this to you more highly. In this book, they remind us that God speaks to us primarily in four ways. Number one, through the Bible. Number two, through prayer, because we talk and listen to God. Number three, through the circumstances of our life. And number four, through his church. So when we come to his church and we hear teaching or we seek wise counsel, God speaks. But they make a statement that I want to challenge you with today. And so I want you to see this. Here's what Henry Blackaby says. If the Christian does not know how God is speaking, he's in trouble at the very heart of his Christian life. And so as a follower of Christ, if you're here today, if you're listening and profess to be a follower of Christ, what you've got to understand is if you're going through life saying, I just don't hear from God, I don't hear God speaking to me, we don't have the problem of 400 years of silence because we've got his word. You want to hear God speak, all you've got to do is open his word early this morning i got into god's word i did like many of you i'm going through a read the bible through in a year plan i read my portion of that and then i read some from the psalms and then i read another chapter of proverbs and god speaks to me in those moments and some of those verses i've read many times for much of my life but every time i read them god speaks god speaks through his word so as i often say you want to hear god speak out loud just read the bible out loud But if you're at a place where you're saying, I don't hear what God's saying. I don't know what he wants me to do. I assure you the problem is not from him. And you need to begin to say what's going on. They point out four things about God speaking from scripture. They say when God spoke, it was usually unique. So you've got to push aside thinking that God's going to speak to me like he spoke to another person I know. Secondly, when God spoke, the person knew it was God speaking. So God's not going to tell you something that now we have inconsistent with his word. If a gentleman comes to me and says, God has told me I need to leave my wife and marry this other woman, I'm going to say, that is not God. It's inconsistent with his word. You've got to know if it's God or if it's bad pizza speaking, and that was bad pizza. When God spoke, the person also knew what God had said. Because when God spoke, the person had encountered God. I just want to remind you how Jesus spoke into this conversation. In John 8, this is what he says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The problem's not with him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So these God moments, say God moments. These God moments are an essential part of the Christian experience. Thankfully, God exposes ordinary people to extraordinary things when they encounter God. So when's the last time you've had a God moment? Let's continue. We've got a few more verses we need to get through. Verse 5, then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Now, this is one of the more familiar passages in Scripture. Moses is before the bush. He's figured out, whoa, this is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. God speaks. Moses is like, here I am. And then he says, hold up, buddy. Take your shoes off. This is a holy place. Say holy. Why was it holy? It's holy because God was there. It's not the location you're in that makes a place holy. It's who is present. And if you're a follower of Christ, I would just remind you, the principle is, as the Holy Spirit of God has indwelled you. So some of you, one of the things you need to do today Is confess and ask forgiveness because you are taking a holy God into some unholy places. So he says, uh, Moses, take your shoes off. Why? This is easy. Sometimes we see things in scripture and we don't understand them. This is easy. Why? Because his feet were dirty, he was just wearing sandals. I mean, he had who knows what. Dirt, mud, ash now from the bush, mess, all kind of stuff. And and God says, No, you are dirty. And in this moment, you need to understand that. You need to get low. So take off that little thin piece of leather because anything that is separating you from being low is putting you too high. Say, holy Holy. means different, it means God is not like us, it means separate. What was he separated? He was separated from sin. He was separated to God. All he's doing is changing his perspective. He's teaching Moses about who he is, and and he's teaching Moses about who he is. It's kind of like we learn in Isaiah. Remember when Isaiah encounters God, he says, I saw the Lord, and the Lord was what? high and lifted up and me i thought whoa is me for i am undone what's the principle god high isaiah low god high moses low god high me low that's a perspective so let's dig deeper verse six it says he says i'm the god of your father the god of abraham the isaac and the god of jacob and moses hid his face For he was afraid to look at God. Now he's getting it. He's understanding. What do we know about God from these verses? He's like that bush. He's like a consuming fire. Listen to what it says in Exodus 24. Moses later encounter in verse 17, it says, Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a, say this, consuming fire. God is different from us, but he's not unapproachable. So, yeah, we do see the transcendence of God. That's a theological term. That means he's above us. He's different from us, but we see the eminence of God. That means he's present with us. He's among us. He's the with us God, right? He's Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. But but Moses learned one more thing. God said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, what's that all about? Well, those were the covenant people. We learned about that last week. God was going to keep his promise of the covenant just as he had done with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I think there's more. And and we see this from a conversation that Jesus had with the Sadducees. Sadducees were a religious group, and they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. They did not believe in life after death, and that's why they were sad, you see, (laughs) They were the Sadducees. And so they came to Jesus and they said, okay, you believe in this resurrection, so let me ask you a question. Uh, A man uh, marries, um, but, but then he dies, and so the widow remarries. And he dies, and she remarries, and he dies. And she does this seven times. Now, first of all, I think I would have stopped and said, what was that seventh guy thinking? I mean, what in the world? But anyway, so then they ask, so who's going to be her husband in heaven? Notice what Jesus said Mark 12. Jesus said to them, is is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. And I would just say a lot of our problems in life from professing followers of Jesus come because we don't know the scriptures and we don't trust the power of God. He says, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor they're given in marriage, but they're like angels in heaven. And the dead being raised, have you not read the book of Moses. So everything in the Old Testament is pointing us to the New Testament, right? It's one continual story. It's the scarlet thread of Jesus being shared with us. The book of Moses and the passage about the bush. Whoa, that's what we just read. What is it saying? I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. You're quite wrong. Why did God say to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because he's saying, Moses I am not just transcendent I am not just imminent there with you I am eternal I'm your living god and those who live in me live forever so you've heard about Abraham Isaac and Jacob they're right here with me Moses and I'll be with you in the same way and you know I've I've been through a crazy year And there's not hardly a day that goes by that I don't try to pick up my cell phone and think about calling my dad. I I miss him so much. But when I read this passage from Jesus, I'm so thankful. Maybe this will encourage some of you. You know what that means? That loved one that you lost who walked with God, who followed Jesus, they're not gone. We know right where they are. They're living with him. And when you follow him, one day you'll see them again by the grace of God. God's a living God. We see him forever. So what difference does this make? What happens for uh, with us when we encounter God? When we encounter God, it changes us. And so you're going to begin to see some things take place. It not just changes our perspective, it changes what we do. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and it's not changed what you do, something is wrong. It changes our habit. It changes our discipline. It changes our financial stewardship. It changes how we think about things. Our, our occupation, our occupation is not our vocation. It's just an avocation. An avocation is like a, a minor occupation. Our vocation is to do what God wants us to do, whether we're, as the old preachers would say, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, whether you're an engineer or a public servant, a policeman, or or whether you're a school teacher or you're a doctor or whether you're a janitor, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God in the expanse of his kingdom. So that's what begins to happen here. Look at verse 7. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, let's stop there because, again, if you've grown up in church, you've heard that. But it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because when we think about life, we just, oh, if I could just only have some more milk and some more honey. What was that about? Remember, these people, they were in the habit of just consuming what they had for the day. They didn't live in abundance. That's why Joseph's role 400 years earlier was so important. Joseph's role was so important because he helped the people develop a storehouse, so they had excess. But these were not people who were used to abundance, and God was saying, Moses, I'm about to do something, and I'm about to do something in great abundance. In fact, this is a big land. It's so big, it's got a lot of people. It's got Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Parasites and Hivites and Jebusites and and It's all these kinds of people. Some of you are not paying attention. In this land. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I've seen the oppression. So he's moving from his perspective to his purpose. When when I encounter God, I've under my perspectives change, but then I want to get in on what God's purpose is. I live for his glory, not for my story. And, And so God does something very similar to chapter two, right? He says, I saw, I heard, I understood, but then he adds something I've come down. I've showed up. So before we just heard him say, I've heard, I saw, I remembered, and I know. Now he's saying, but I'm coming down. So hear me. Just remember what we learned. God sees you. God hears you, God knows what you're going through, and God will deliver you. When you are trusting in him, when you encounter him, this moment is never the end. It's never all there is. There's always more to come. How's he delivering? He's delivering from slavery, and he's delivering to abundance. Now, does that sound familiar? Yes, it sounds familiar because that's what Jesus does. He picks us up from this bondage life that is controlled by sin and he promises an abundant life. Remember John 10:10? 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's who he is. Moses' perspective has changed. God's purpose has been explained, and now he sees God's plan. Now, this is where it gets interesting for you. Say this. Say, I want a God moment. Here's how you tap into a God moment. Verse 10. Come. That's a command, by the way. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you will bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how Moses really responded in the moment to this. But I want you to understand something about God's plan. God's plan was Moses. Now that you know who I am, now that you know who you are, now that you know what I'm going to do, let me tell you how I'm going to do it. Now that you've got the right perspective, now that you understand my purpose... Let me, under, let me help you see my plan. Now that you've been delivered, now that you've been developed, let me help you see your destiny. What's my plan, Moses? My plan is you. Moses, I saved you to send you. Now listen to this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God saved you to send you. Nowhere in scripture do you get the impression that this is about a fire insurance plan. Your salvation was never intended just to keep you out of hell. God saves you to send you into your little corner of the world to make a difference for his glory you are part of god's plan for deliverance in your little corner of the world do you get that whatever your vocation you're supposed to be making a difference for his glory i I hear that i think of that story i heard years ago about jesus returning to heaven and um, he had just died he'd been buried he rose again he he raised up there in the first chapter of acts ascending into heaven and boy can't you imagine it was just a big celebration when he got there all the angels were throwing him a party welcome back man that was awesome that's great you you showed the world how to be saved hey we love the disciples all those that are following you that's all awesome. how's everybody else going to hear uh, uh jesus how's how's the rest of the world going to hear about this and Jesus says they're going to tell them and the angels say that that's your plan (laughs) those people they're gonna they're gonna tell others and Jesus says yeah that's plan and they say what's plan b (laughs) because it seems kind of crazy doesn't it but there is no plan b It's you. It's me. It is me, but it's not just me. It's not just the people who are vocational ministers. It's people like you saved to be sent into your little corner of the world because God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. Well, before I pray, let me just sum this up because we've been talking about a God moment. I want you to understand this. Your name's not Moses, but God wants you to encounter him. He pursues you in a personal way. And if you're not having God moments in your life, it's not on him. He wants you to encounter him. And when you encounter God, it always leads to a better future. When when you encounter God, you walk away from that different, and you really can say, the best is yet to come. I hear that phrase used a lot, and for a lot of people, it's just not true. The best is not yet to come for them. If you don't have a relationship with God, your best is not yet to come until you have a relationship with Him. Then you can say that. Then I can talk about heaven. Because on this side of heaven, things may be difficult, but I've always got a better future when I've encountered God. But those true God moments, they only come when I respond to what God is doing.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.